Hey everybody, welcome to the Psychic Wives Podcast. I'm Kathy Rumsey. And I'm Jerry Carabin. And I'm Ginger Hendry. And today I'm uh, really happy to have a dear friend of mine on as a guest. And we're going to officially title you, Tony, our first non-woo-woo guest. <laughs> you are, <laughs> you are um, I don't know if we'll be talking about chakras in the universe and that kind of thing with you. Mm, probably maybe, not. Maybe we will. Probably maybe. not, though. Um, but get yeah, something in there. Trust me. We'll get something <laughs> in there. <laughs> but, um, and I'm not even sure I can go into what it is you do. I'll let you introduce yourself in a second. But the reason uh, that I wanted to bring you on is because you, you co-wrote a book some time ago called Healing Conversations Now, Enhance Relationships with Elders and Dying Loved Ones. And I've, uh, full disclaimer, I've always wanted to have a conversation with you about it. But whenever we get together personally, because we're friends and, and uh, I'm friends with his wife and he's friends with my husband. So you, when we get together, it's not really a topic you bring up over beers and cigars and whatever. Mm -hmm. So um, this was just my way of being like, I finally get to talk to Tony about this book. So anyway, I'll let you introduce yourself as much or as little as you want to. And um, then we'll just, we're going to just do kind of a deep dive into the book. Cool. So my name is Tony Silbert, and um, I sometimes introduce myself as a business consultant and an accidental author. So I had no intention of writing a book, or if I did, I would have assumed I was going to write a business book, a book about strategy or something like that. Uh, so it's not the book I intended to write, but it was the book that I was called to write um, and based on my experience. So. In terms of the, the work that I do, um, strategy, um, innovation work, culture building, uh, leadership development, all with all kinds of organizations, all working from a strength-based, high engagement perspective, uh, from a positive psychology, neuroscience perspective, building on the strengths that people have, built on inquiry and dialogue. Um, it's the work that I do, love to do, and it extends into obviously my, not just my work life, but my personal life yeah. and what, why the book got written because <laughs> yeah. it's a book of questions and conversation starters. It's so cool. It's, yeah. it's such a cool book. And um, I'm just going to say you're a little more to the woo woo side than not then. Huh? Right? <laughs> well, he was called to write the book. He was so called to write the book. Exactly. So that and also the woo woo in there. I mean, like, no. you know, 50 years from now when we're all walking around with pendulums balancing our chakras in public openly, <laughs> it will be like 50 years ago if people were talking about strengths-based leadership and all of that. Like, think about that, right? <laughs> yes. So you're on the cutting edge. Cool. Nice. Thank you. Um, so anyway, I really, I felt like um, the, the pandemic and all the crap that's going on in the world, I really, for whatever reason, the thought of, having this conversation with you about the book and the questions and all of that was really pertinent because, um, you know, there are a lot of older people who are dying. There are a lot of people with, with elderly parents who are, I'm at least having the thought in my head of if my parents were to get sick right now, I wouldn't be able to be with them. Yep. So the next time I see them, you know, should I be, starting these conversations and I just, I just took a big old deep breath with that one. Cause, right. um, <laughs> and the other reason that even though it, it's, it's to me, this is a very, it's a, not to say it's a mainstream book, but it's a mainstream topic about like having these conversations and stuff. But in the work that we do, the spirituality based work, I'm a big believer in we also all have to do our own work. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, being able to have conversations, not even the hard conversations. What I love about the book is it talks about having conversations that aren't hard conversations. Yeah, right. Because you can't just jump into the hard conversation. Right. But you can jump into the, 
so tell me what it was like when you were growing up, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. And um, so anyway, I don't, I would love to know, actually, I'd love to know what you, you were called to write the book. What called you to write it? Um, well, my, yeah, so the, the calling was my mom was diagnosed with cancer and um, I found myself at the time I was living in Washington, D.C., and I was going back and forth to Connecticut to visit my mom. Um, and as these, as these visits were getting more frequent, I found myself, I'm in it. I do this stuff for a living, but I don't know the conversations that I need to have with my mom. I know that I've got a finite amount of time. Um, so. And what was your, if you don't mind me sure. trying a little, what was your relationship with your mother like? Ah. Good question. I had a very close relationship with my mom. Uh, so, and yet you still found it hard though. That's interesting. Well, I think in general, we find it hard if we care about, so if you knew you were going to lose Pete or your husband, your mom, I mean, all of a sudden you're in it and it's like, what do I do? What do I ask? How, how, you know, so you, you're disoriented. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I, I got to jump in here because I, I understand exactly what you're saying. When my mom was sick, it was the same thing. You're, you're a little disoriented and you're also in compartmentalizing mode of I got to do this and I got to do this. And I was like kind of caregiver there. And, caregiver. Yeah. And, it, and it's like, okay, there's these, these conversations that you know you should have, Yep. but then where do they fit in or it, it, yeah. I mean, I, I know I was in the same place and I know we, Probably, we didn't have conversations that we should have. I mean, it was all good and everything, but there, it would have kind of been good. And, and do you feel, Tony, that it's good? I mean, it's good for them and it's good for us. Of course. I talk about it being a gift for both, <laughs> for both people because yeah. it, it, it enhances the relationship. Um, it, so what happens, like you said, is it gets compartmentalized. Um, a lot of the things are caretaking, logistics, mm -hmm. Uh, and dealing with other family relationships as well as your own role in relationships. So I knew my mom in the context of being my mom. And one of the, I think Kathy was referring to it, one of the first questions I asked my mom was, what was your life like before I was born? Mind blown. You know, I was like, oh, she had half of her life, you know, at that point, you know, as much time before I was born than after I was born. And so I got to see my mom as this whole person uh, and got to understand her from more of a, a different perspective than just as my mom. Mm -hmm. So I, I think we, yeah, we just get into these roles and compartmentalize and we don't do a good job about talking about death and dying, our own fears about death and dying, our mortality, uh, the sadness and grief. We're in a, a, a culture in the United States that it's very taboo kind of topic and we don't have the skills. It's not uh, the skills to have these conversations. So it's a too, lot. <laughs> it is. And I think on top of being compartmentalized, um, it's a very emotional conversation yes. um, or can be very emotional conversations. For, so for those of us, and I include myself in that, sometimes I don't like to be in that kind of situation to open myself up mm -hmm. to that feeling or those feelings because you have to deal with it right then so it is really difficult especially end stage i mean if you're not end stage mm -hmm. for me i think it would be easier to have those conversations well then again too that emotional part like when you are in that place of caregiver and compartmentalizing and you're the one that's kind of keeping everybody in these different you know the chess pieces in different places on the board and all that stuff you like i found myself like i can't lose my shit. yes Yes. Because if I do, every the whole rest of the family is looking at me. So I can't lose my stuff. So you you kind of can't that's go a there. It's, it's a drag because then you're done and it all ends. And you're like, well, they all got to do what they needed to do. And I couldn't because right. I was the one that was in charge. Or, that's or a I role and expectation that you took on. Yeah, exactly. So, so, you know, it's so interesting when you're in this, uh, there's so many dynamics at play. And if you're the person asking the questions to an elder or dying loved one, um, you know, we, we talk about um, curiosity, intention and presence. And in those moments of being in your, your best adult, because there's so much stuff coming at you as you're hearing the stories from people that you're 
responding or reacting to, you have to really be centered, like a centered presence in order to, to do this. Uh, and like Kathy said, you have to do your own work too. Yeah. yeah. But, and that's what I loved about, um, I can't remember if, if it was you were writing in the book about your father and about asking him questions. Oh, yeah. Showing interest in his life. Yeah. And how it opened him up. Yeah. You know, just a little segue. I just started like therapy myself, you know, to, to just be a better dad, have a better relationship with my children. And I realized like one of the things was like with my dad was um, he, he, I have a twin brother and he was, I would say more would uh, go to my brother's sporting events more. So there was this lack of, so in the book I talk about it is a, I, I didn't feel as connected with my dad, but when his mother died, we opened up this silver box that had a bunch of pictures and uh, clippings, newspaper clippings. And I was asking him about all of these things and it, it was story after story. And just asking him about those things that meant a lot from his childhood, his mother, his family, drew, strengthened our relationship. So asking these sort of open-ended questions that invite stories connects you relationally even stronger, even if you have uh, a relationship that needs mending or enhancing. So this is, this is that part you were talking about, Kathy, where I'm like, you're like, no, but I do, I think it's so interesting. And I think it's, um, Tony, I love, I love what you just said about that. You're, you're going to therapy to, to try to be a better dad and to whatever. And it's so interesting because we all, and I think we do it in every every role that we play in life where it's like, I'm the dad and these are, you know, or more, it's like we put these roles on, on the people around us. Like they're my kids. Yep. You know, and you think like I was a kid once, I know what it's like to be a kid, but yep. we don't, but we don't know what it's like to be them. Do you know what I mean? Correct. And it's, <laughs> and not to say like, you know, cause my kids, my kids, and even though I am not a boomer, like I, and there's no, you know, no offense to boomers out there, but, yep. um, Tony, <clears throat> but, um, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I'm always saying to my kids, like, I was a kid once. Like, I get it. But then I think, even though I feel like it was so much the same, it's almost like not giving them the respect of being an individual, right? Yep. Yep. And it's like I'm presupposing what their life is like because I was like that once type thing. So, I know exactly what you're saying. You I know, mean, basically, I'm saying it really bad. I'm just going to say like, I, it's not coming out at <laughs> all. Like it is in my head, yeah. um, but it's so like, I don't think of my parents as anything, but my parents, yep. do you know what I mean? I do. They're just those people who took care of me and, no, they didn't have a life before me, and they only had sex four times. Yeah, right. <laughs> they had sex four times. That's it, you know? Yeah. Um. But I think as parents, too, you at least for me, um, you know, you think, okay, I was raised this way, and, and I've done it differently. So my kids have it better because they don't have what do you know what i mean and so i i when you were saying that kathy that's what it brought up for me mm. um that we do think that we do that we've done things differently or better or whatever so we do see our kids as having had it better as opposed to their own individual experiences with us so i i get what you're saying and yeah. can i can i ask you a question so is it like how talk to us a little bit about the layout of the book like is this something that you know like I need help talking to my father. I can look something up in the book and get examples or is yeah. it like, yeah, there absolutely. are a lot of examples. Okay. It's uh, it's a collection of um, questions, conversation starters and stories. And it goes from, I would say the most general to the much more specific. So uh, think about it as you're building this bridge of trust to go okay. deeper. So you can't just start with, you know, what, you know, what do you want your end of life to look like and jump into the, 
death dying kind of conversation. But it's well. not all about end of life, right? No. It's, so it's, the first the the first chapter is about getting to know them better. So okay. it couldn't be about like uh, you know what was it like growing up? Yeah. What do you you know childhood friend family values? Uh, so one chapter is around getting to know them better, and others on enhancing and mending relationships. Another one's around positive aging. Okay. There's a chapter about after a serious diagnosis. There's one about loving them goodbye. So you see, it sort of progresses. And the the way that happened is, you know, when I put out the 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 plea to my friends when I was in it, I reached out to a listserv of appreciative inquiry colleagues and said, what questions would you ask? And they sent mm. me back a whole bunch of um, questions, stories, resources. I collated it, sent it back out to the listserv and called it Tuesdays with Mom, Conversations That Heal. That's how it started. Okay. So it came from this listserv, got over 150 responses, sent it back out there. And it sort of fell into this, you know, from getting to know them better to loving them goodbye and everything in between. So each chapter has some stories, but like, uh, so in the enhanced men relationship chapter, there's some stories. Uh, and then at the end, there's like a bunch of questions that you can ask. Yeah. Uh, it's really cool. And I, I definitely don't, it, it is not, it is, it is not a book to go out and buy when your parents are in hospice. Like it's, <laughs> yeah, it's correct. not, it's not, it's, it's like, I can't tell you how many people, now, kind of I thing. can't believe it exactly. That's why the word now is in healing conversations now, but I can't tell you how many of my good friends, colleagues that know that I wrote this book, reach out to me and said, I need a copy of your books. It's so something it's, we only have these conversations when there is a critical incident, someone's hospitalized. Otherwise everything's good. I'm only this, I mean, we're, we're having this conversation, but how many of us are having these conversations with our kids, our spouses? And we're not, I'm not. Right, yeah, no, I'm <laughs> yeah. not. So do yeah. you address, okay, so I'm gonna throw this out there. Yeah. What if, <laughs> you know, that other person is not receptive? Yeah. Right, yeah, I was actually thinking, that's a great question, right. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm in a little situation right now where there's not a whole lot of. Yeah, so conversation know, you with yourself. Say that again? You're in a conversation with yourself right yeah, now. Exactly, a, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, well, and you first pour of your all, heart out on a page and then crickets. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. I would say keep trying because uh, and because uh, you can either try to have these conversations now or pay for therapy for the rest of your life after the person's <laughs> yeah. gone and you have all these unresolved issues. Um, I can share the story of my sister. So I had a great relationship with my mom, my sister, and my mom did not have the greatest relationship. Uh, so when she was in the hospital, um, I called my sister. I'm like, hey, you need to come up. And she's like, well, I don't know. And, you know, so I think my sister wanted closure and my mom wanted a, 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 a relationship. Yeah. And, you know, so there, in, in the book, I have this, this uh, chapter, I share this story about facilitating other people's healing conversations because so I, so there, if there's hurt, if you're hurt or have a troubled relationship, usually the questions you ask are judgmental. So there's blame or judgment. Um, so I try to think about what questions could you ask that would bring your, the relationship in the direction you most want. And if you're going to ask that person a question, could you answer the same question? <laughs> That's always a good litmus test. Right. Like, am I asking a, uh, I want to know the answer to this because I have an assumption about what your answer is and it's not good enough for me. And, you know, so there's, there's no such thing as a neutral question. So, uh, you know, I would say um, you have to, we, we say positively biased, open-ended questions that invite a story. Okay. So positively biased, uh, uh, open-ended. So it's not a, a yes, no question. Okay. And it invites a story. Um, so you're either asking a question about backward, inward, or forward. Backward being, you know, uh, a high point. Uh, inward being, what do you value most? Forward being, what do you hope for? So it's, those are the general sort of areas that we inquire into that can 
unleash a lot of different things. So it can create empathy and understanding. Uh, and we as human beings connect around story. So we find our connections and there's less judgment around the stories versus if I ask you the question, why did you do that? That's right. an open-ended question, but it's full, filled with judgment. Oh, yeah. Saying, obviously, the why you did that, I feel like you shouldn't have done that. Otherwise, I wouldn't be asking you this question. So, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I said, it's sort really of going interesting on. because I'm laughing because, okay, so I clearly have some things going on with my family. And yeah. there was a text that came through and I start writing back a response, but I'm, I know myself enough that, <laughs> what do I do? I text Kathy and I say, are you around? <laughs> I need to talk to you because I wanted to make sure yeah. that my response was trying not to be judgmental and trying not to be whatever. So Kathy did tweak it a little bit. And, and yeah. I gotta say, there was a little bit in me like, oh, but I wanna keep that in there. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? Like, yes. you know, because there's, got, there's sometimes a little bit of, hurt right. feelings yeah you but, know, but it was but great I, because you wanted to keep it in there but i was like but think and i think i said but think about it if you were receiving that yes yeah, so put yourself in the other thing and i was like i got it and then it made total sense to me that okay i shouldn't say that because the other thing is a perception thing like i'm and especially when you're freaking texting for the love of god you know what i mean i mean for it's not even a conversation god. Because yeah. we can't get to that point, yeah. Um, you know, you, you know, I'm saying it in this way, and they can way easily coming from a place of hurt and judgment and whatever take yep. it completely differently. You know, yep. like it's a, you know, a comma. You know what I mean? Like when you write, you know, move that comma, and it means something completely different. Yep. You know what I mean? So yeah, I'll give myself credit. At least I knew enough to call Kathy without just yeah. end and say, okay, what needs to be tweaked and and, and whatever. So. Um, couple I love of things. And I like what you said, thinking about it from that perspective or from that um, other place. It's, it's from the other person's perspective and, yeah. and putting yourself in their shoes. Yeah. I, uh, when Jen and I are working together and she's fired up, I like, Jen, you can, you can write out the whole text or the whole email however you want to. Just promise me you won't hit send until tomorrow. You'll relook yes. at it. And if you want someone else to look at it, I'm happy to do that. Yeah. And, you know, I wish I had someone doing that with me 24 7 when, <laughs> when I get triggered by my daughter over a certain thing and I get escalated. All of a sudden I'm in it. I'm like, hold on, yeah. I need someone here with me. Mm -hmm. But there's things that happen that we're, again, either role, uh, it could be related to a role as whether you were the child and this thing happened to you and now you're an adult and it's playing out an unresolved yeah. issue. Uh, it could be, um, you, you know, just something that reminds you of something that triggers you. But I try to, I'm trying to get to that point where we can just get into these conversations by asking a question that helps us understand. Because when we have shared understanding, we can come to new meaning. So that open-ended, positively biased questions creates a new shared meaning or sense that we can make, even of a past hurt. Yeah. So, I love what you just said there about understanding because most of us, I don't think, go at it from that. We go at it from, but what a, what's happening to me? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right, so that you, you want to be heard, right? I want to be heard yeah. and what's happening for me. If we could try to automatically go, okay, can, help me understand yeah. what you're thinking or help me understand why you reacted this way or help me understand you know, your feelings or something like that, yeah. it would probably clear things up pretty quickly. You know what? I'm like one of these, I got to say this and it's so funny. I'm one of, I'm, I'm a Hallmark movie junkie. Nice. They're stupid and they're free and they're, nobody gets shot. <laughs> nobody dies and nobody's in a freaking pandemic and everybody. And it's not real life. But and okay. it always ends in a kiss. I know it's not real life. <laughs> That's why. It always ends in a, but there's always like, it's the typical oh, rom-com where there's always a misunderstanding. Yep. I'm like, well, if you had just told her that, it'd be fine. That's what I'm talking <laughs> you know what about. I mean? When you're not in it, it's easier to see what to do. But when yeah. you're in it, it's so much harder, right. exactly. harder to do. And, that, and you know what? I love that you just said that because, so Jerry, Jerry called me this weekend because she was like, I just sent this, I, I just wrote this text and I feel, you know, can you whatever. And then you got mad at yourself. Remember, you were just like, what the? 
heck, why do I have to call you? Why can't like, I do this everything you said? And I was like, because you're so in it. In you it. can't, you can't. Yeah. Like I was like, why it. can't I be, I'm a, I'm a fairly intelligent person. I'm, I, you know, I'm nice. I love people. I try to be compassionate, you know, like this, but I was very down on myself because I, I, why do I need to, why can't I do this myself? Why do I need to reach out to, you know, right. you know that, but what you said, Kathy, exactly is because you're in it. Well, you're in it. You're human. You got triggered and, and it's, it's, a, big, it's a big deal. It's a big right. hurt. It's a big, you know, um, yeah, yeah. really super, super interesting. I hope this is like a big, I hope this is a big learning for our world in general, myself included, uh, that it's okay to ask for help. Yeah. That we don't have to have all the answers. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of times we go inside with ourselves journaling and try to get crystal clear. You know, I do something called verbal journaling because if you're not testing out what you're thinking and feeling yeah. with other people, you're going to reinforce what you already believe and feel. That's uh -huh. why I love, that's why I love asking questions. There's this thing called in the work that I, the business Tony work that I do. Yeah. Chris Arger is called the ladder of non-woo-woo side. Non-woo-woo right. side. That <laughs> <laughs> talks about like we have this experience, we um, have assumptions, we draw conclusions, uh, we take action. Uh, it it informs our values and beliefs. So we go up this ladder in less than half a second, um, and then the next time we have a similar experience, we filter based on our past experiences. So even if there's data and information that's contrary to what we believe and value, we discount it because it doesn't fit within our world. So the only thing that gets you out of that is asking a question. Mm. So we need to be able to ask questions. We need to be able to ask questions of other people. And you know, if, if you like what I'm talking about, then we need to have healing conversations around the political divides that are going on right now. Because there's a lot of people saying, I want you to hear me, I want you to understand me, but there's not a lot of understanding happening understanding. around yeah. all of these things that are going on in our world. Right. So we can talk louder and anyway. We can talk louder and it's also, um, to me, this big thing, and not to move this in that direction, okay, but, but is, it, and we're not going to. But I mean, it's just, um, for me, why can't we all just get along? Why can't we just be kind is the thing. And, and there's a lot of not agreeing to disagree. In fact, it's going, you know, like, like you're wrong and I hate you. You know, like, whoa, uh, that, that, you know, but how do you do that without doing, because let, let's face it, nobody wants to have a political discussion. Yeah. They want to yell their whatever's at the other person and I need you to agree with me kind of thing. So how do you have discussions about things that are that, and again, don't want to, you know, that's just an example, but how do you have discussions about things that are really tough to talk about? Yeah. So you, you so this is the, this is the crux, whether it's um, a conversation about death and dying, whether it's a, a, a hurt, a, a past, experience, yeah. whether, you know, we've used appreciative inquiry uh, uh, in Guyana around reducing ethnic violence related to elections because people vote along ethnic lines, Afro-Guyanese and Indo-Guyanese and people get killed. So how do you have conversations right. that connect, you know, so in that sense, we, we come, came up with a topic with with the organizations, we're civil society organizations about creating a peaceful and thriving Guyana. You know, they wanted to, they wanted to have a, a summit around dealing with our past and moving forward. That gets you dealing with the past. That's like, okay, we're going to deal with the, all this um, stuff and we're going to move forward. Yeah. So but this makes you, so much sense. So yeah. if you ask about creating a peaceful and thriving Guyana and you ask about extraordinary citizenry or, um, what you know and stories get shared about people coming together in neighborhoods across ethnic lines during the floods to support neighbors you find that you know stories have wings you find that um, you can find 
not just common ground, but higher ground by asking questions that look for the best, the best of the past, what people care about deeply and what their hopes are. And when you're in these kinds of conversations, you find you have more in common. In common. Yeah. Not, yes. That's why. Absolutely. Th- oh so, my God, I love this. Yeah. So, so the inquiry equals- creates relationship. Inquiry and change are simultaneous moments. So that was a big piece right there for me. And I, I, I think that, so it sounds to me like this book is, it's, it, you know, you should read it just to know how to have discussions with people, not just Absolutely. about, that, and that's what I love just about, about somebody's it. end of life or, or whatever, just yeah. this is a yeah. better way to have just discussions about anything with people. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So my, my colleague, my work colleagues have that kind of book, uh, uh, Jackie and Sherry, it's called Conversations Worth Having. So after, you know, so, and that's more in a everyday setting. So yeah, yeah, like I said, the work that I do is based on inquiry dialogue using appreciative inquiry. I've been using it with all kinds of organizations on business contexts. But of course, all of my deepest learnings were from personal. That makes it easy to apply in a, a work setting. Yes. So, you know, Early on in my relationship with Jen, I did an appreciative inquiry. Tell me, you know, uh, the th- uh, high points from our relationship. What do you value most? Um, what are your hopes for the future? So Jen and I, when we were just dating, did this. And just a funny aside, Kathy, you'll like this. So Jen's happy to share the high points and what she values most about our relationship. But then when we got to, you know, hopes for the future, she goes, you first. <laughs> so what it what it signifies is that um sometimes we are really fearful to share our hopes yeah. or dreams for the future because what happens if we don't get what we hope for or if we verbalize it and the other person doesn't want that so anyways i'm just saying that this appreciative inquiry all of my deep learnings have been at a personal level whether it's my relationship with jen uh you know writing this book uh having very significant conversations with friends and loved ones um and this just happened to be what happened when my mom was going through this journey and i was in it and didn't know what to do yeah yeah and 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 again to circle back around to like why I wanted you to, to come and talk with us about it. Mm-hmm. Um, first, it is it, it goes along that whole, I believe if you do spiritual work, you have to do your own work. And yeah. I will definitely be, um, you know, using my highlighter and my, my little sticky notes to before my next trip to visit family. Um, but the other thing is, is that so, so Jerry and I are also being mentored by the same medium. So we, we are, you know, practicing mediums right now. Ginger hasn't officially, but she's, (laughs) she's doing mediumship work too. And it's, it's just come up a few times for me lately in readings that I've given to people with, it's like I'm connected to spirit and yeah. giving messages to someone who's sitting in front of me huh. crying going oh my god thank you so much i'm huh. you know like they're getting healing after the fact and i look at it and go wouldn't it be great i mean i'm glad i'm glad to have brought a message that helps someone feel better about their loved one who has passed yeah but my gosh, it would be better to do that while they're still alive. Yeah. Do you know? That's exactly what I was saying about the, you can, you can pay for therapy after the person's gone. The beauty of it, there's a ton of books around grief and there's a ton of things that happen after the person's gone. Right. We need but, more tools while people are here right. to resolve things, yeah, and, you know, unresolved issues. And the, the dying, dying person also wants to resolve things. Mm-hmm. They want a peaceful, graceful, right? Exit, exit. Not, not uh, yeah. filled with turbulence and fear and uh, discipline. I mean, I've experienced both. Um, a good death is a good death. You know, my dad's death was a, a good death. Um, you know, we're sitting by his side. You know, putting the phone to his ear so. 
the people that I knew he was close to and loved him could say their goodbyes while he was, yeah. Anyways, w- watching a, a Yankees game, sitting by his side. So, how how long between your mother's death and your father's death? Uh, um, my mom passed in, when Bree was like eighteen months, so that was like two thousand six, and my dad was probably like ten years later. Okay, so you had so you yeah you had this experience with your mother yeah and all yeah. those inquiries and everything yeah. So by the time your dad was ready to transition, yeah, you guys had had some good healing conversations as well. You know, Kathy, it's a realistically, my dad was part of the silent generation. So again, we we do the best we can with what we got. Yeah. So my dad, you know, I try to have different. So some conversations were more successful. Some, and some were just the mere act of showing up. So my dad was in a nursing home. So conversations don't have to always be about the talking. It has to do with just being, as you know, being present, Present. uh, a connected present, a listener, and and the experience of being like one of my fondest memories right before my dad passed was like us bringing dinner to the facility. And it was like Father's Day and we were sitting around having a meal together. So Sunday meals were a big deal in mm-hmm. growing up. So it was just like that. And, you know, reflecting back, that was a healing, yeah, not conversation, but a healing event. Yeah. Uh, yes. And a lot of it, again, I was a primary caretaker. My family, the rest of the family wasn't around here. So I'd be like bringing Jen and our two girls to the, the nursing home to visit my dad. And a lot of times dealing with the stuff that you would imagine, kids that don't want to go visit their grandfather in a nursing home, we got a million other things. What about soccer? What about this? And sometimes, sometimes the healing is, and you don't realize how much energy it takes, how much it takes out of you. Uh, And, and then also it's not until your, the journey is over that you realize, wow, I'm really thankful that I showed up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I have no regrets. Right. And, you know, I have siblings that have regrets for yeah. not showing up yeah. or not being there. And so only you can determine what that is for yourself. Right. right. Uh, I didn't know uh, because a lot of times going through the journey, I was frustrated. Like, how do I juggle all this stuff? Right. I, I also don't want to go. I want to. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Anyways, that was a little yeah. tangent. That's, that, no, but it's so important though. And I, I do. I remember when Pete's dad passed and it's been 11 years Mm -hmm. and I remember thinking like, I don't want to have regrets when it comes. And here I am 11 years later, still haven't figured out Mm -hmm. if I will or not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And luckily I haven't been put to the test. My parents are still here, but you know, every day that goes by is another day less that I have to get my stuff together and Mm -hmm. determine if I've done enough if I've had those, you know, had those conversations, so I don't have to go see a medium or, you know, have a reading or go to therapy or whatever, or just live with, oh, I wish I had only, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm. And some of it is, some of it's for me and some of it's for them, right? Like like you said, you didn't always visit because you you were doing it for them. It's your way of, of letting them know you care and yeah. all of that. So yeah, it's super interesting. Yeah, it was interesting. And here's the, here's another piece like, okay, so I, I like what you said about your dad and it was a, it was, it was a good exit or whatever. I really do believe that my mother's was a good exit as well mm-hmm. for us, for she and I, I was with yeah. her the whole time when she left, it was she and I lying in bed together. We were yeah. holding hands and it was just the two of us. Nobody else yeah. was there. Um, and you know, there were, you know, part of being the caretaker and juggling all this stuff was me saying, hey, you guys, you got to get your butts down here. Mm. You better get down here. Yep. You know, and and then I kind of just, you know, there were a couple of fam- well, you know, like this kind of thing. And so it was like, all right, you know what? That's their journey. Yep. You know, right. that's that's their journey. And there was regrets that, you know, oh, my God, I wish I was there with you guys. Well, you know, I mean. 
planes. You can only do what you can do and yeah. put the option out there and let go of the outcomes. Uh, it's, yeah. the, 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 it's the same thing with, with my sister and I'm glad that she came. And it was only, uh, you know, after, after much time had passed by that she, even though remember, I think I told you my sister was looking for closure. My mom yes. wanted a closer relationship after she came out and visited, um, she, you know, sent me email and, you know, was saying how, you know, um, she didn't find necessarily the closure she was looking for, but then, oh, by the way, I, I, can you send, can you give these pictures of the family and the kids to mom? Mm, so yeah. was starting to move in that direction yes. of what both my mom wanted and her finding yeah. closure. So even sometimes if you don't get the answer that you hope for or wish for, being in that conversation brings a new enlightenment, a different perspective because, you know, my sister felt sad for my mom. So, I mean, that meant she was felt empathy, empathy towards my mom in her situation. Mm -hmm. And I would say less judgmental, you know, mm -hmm. email texts uh, are all forms of one way communication yeah. that only uh, create, um, challenges of interpretation or exactly. misinterpretation yeah. yeah so as much as possible i tr uh, you know i it, believe me i text and email a lot for work but i try to do face-to-face -face, uh zoom whatever <laughs> so you can actually see the other person and lead more with questions than statements yeah so I'm wicked curious. It's very New England. <laughs> wicked curious what Ginger's thinking about because I'm always fascinated in groups where someone's like, you know, taking it all in, observing all of the dynamics and the conversations going over. And they're usually the ones that are weaving it all together. So I'm just curious as to what you're thinking, Ginger. Well, I have a lot of experience in this um, with, with death. Um, yeah. I've lost three uh, siblings, a niece wow. very close to me who was an adult. Yeah. Um, my mo my mother, my, my dad died when I was little, and my stepdad. And so all of those people had a long passing. Yeah. And so and, and I have a big family. So I was just thinking about the dynamics, as you mentioned, that everybody is on their own journey. Um, it took me a while to understand, and we and we did have conversations about this, but some people aren't capable of being in the moment. They, they're just not. And, mm -hmm. and so an acceptance of that and trying not to be judgmental. Mm -hmm. um, if I'm able to step up more than somebody else in understanding that that person just cannot. And it's their own journey, whatever the regret is. So yeah. there was a lot of learning, I think, yeah. about that. But we did have a lot of conversation um, with one sibling in particular and my stepdad and my, and my mother about what was going to happen and asking those questions, sometimes deep questions and sometimes what was it like or I knew what it was like but I wanted more information yeah when you what were, was your most powerful conversation or question that you asked that really made that relationship or, or remember that one memorable well uh, different for everybody but you know like a niece I was very close to she was born yeah. when I was in high school and I was very close so I spent the last days of her in hospice she had a few days later before she passed talking about our relationship because I was their babysitter, she and her two siblings, and the movies we watched and the yeah. places we went and, yeah. and that kind of thing. So that was really powerful. Mm -hmm. um, and then, I don't know, my mother probably was the past, you know, talking a lot about the past because she was a single mother and like a lot of stuff, but yeah. sort of talking about how she felt. Yeah. And so I do have some siblings that have some, had some hard feelings to her, the way she parented, but I saw her differently because I talked to her. Do you know what I mean? Like what she was like during that. Yeah. So I could see her as a person. Yes. Not that's as it a exactly, right, Tony? I mean, that's yep. it. Yeah, that's you it. saw her as a person yeah. versus a mother versus my mother, right? Like she wasn't just you and your sibling's mother. She was her own person. And we forget that, mm -hmm. especially with our parents, right? Mm. that they're their own people. That yeah. they're not, they weren't here just to be our parents. <laughs> right, and things happen to them. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, absolutely. But we're, I think, destined to repeat or be trapped by some of these things. Like, 
you know, if rejected by a parent or had a stress strained relationship to carry that out with your own children until mm -hmm. you can resolve it for yourself and make right. new meaning, ask different questions. It's a journey I'm on. Yeah. It's the journey I, I started with that. I'm in therapy myself. So I'm trying to work through some of this, um, the notions that where I struggled. So I don't struggle the same way with my children. It's so interesting you say that, Tony, because <laughs> Jerry's like, reason 1155 why I decided not to have um, But I can remember vividly being like, I will not parent my children around these certain scenarios the way I was parented because of how strongly I felt about it being not the right way to do it. So yep. I changed those, but then I've had other ways yep. that it's like, and I, I joke now that it's like, oh, my kids are going to end up on the therapist's couch, not for the reasons I did, but for a different reason. You know what I mean? I'm I do. I do. Ask Kathy and Ginger. So you guys do feel that, you know, based on the way your parents parented you, you made some changes Absolutely. on the way you parented and not always for the best, actually. Right, and it's funny because I have another friend, Kathy, of course. There's like 18 mm -hmm. of them in my life. And, um, you know, we, she's my massage therapist, and we're really, really close friends. So we're always, you know, talking about stuff, and she's aware of things that going on with my family, et cetera. And, and we always laugh because it's – and we're joking, but we always say, no, it's got to be mom's fault, you know, because everybody <laughs> does that. You know what I mean? Like it's your mother's fault or your father's fault or, you know, your parents' fault or whatever. And Kathy always says, we did the best we could. Yeah. We did the best that's we a, could. That's a good, that's a good uh, yeah. mantra. Everyone does the best the they can best with what can. they've got in the given situation. And that's a very empathetic way to look at our existence as human beings. Yeah. Really to, to – uh, you know, because sometimes we parent in spite of mm. the way our parents or because of uh, positive or negative, right. they view it that way. I had a conversation with a good friend and colleague uh, uh, who we, we've worked together and she's a little bit older than me. And uh, so her adult daughters were with her and I have two adult uh, young daughters. And so I asked her, her daughters, what was it like growing up with Sharon, mm -hmm. my colleague? And she heard stories that she had never heard before from oh, her two daughters. So, so, so we're not, we are not responsible for what our kids are going to wind up on the couch about or how they're going to perceive yeah. what their life was like growing up with us. Were we tough parents? Were we loving? Were we kind? Were we strict? Were we whatever? Right. So when... She it was, and it was fascinating for me in that moment. I'm like, what? So you, these aren't stories that you've heard over and over again about what your daughter, this daughter thinks of you or that they both shared something about what it was like growing up. And it was nothing of what Sharon was expecting to hear. And I found yeah, that don't fascinating. Don't ever ask my kids that question. Cause I'm a little afraid of what they <laughs> So I'm trying to uh, think about that as I go through parenting uh, and what do I want them to say about what kind of parent I am or was. So it's an ongoing dialogue and inquiry into being the best parent I can be and having the best relationship with each of my daughters that I can, as well as my wife and anyone else in my life, mm -hmm. realistically. You know, and I have to say that Tony is like the best, you are like the best guy to go have a drink with or something because <laughs> he's always so you're always so engaged. And I think that that's so, I feel like it's a lot of what's missing in our world right now is mm. that you ask questions because you want to know the answers. Mm -hmm. Whereas some people ask questions to start a conversation and then they just want to talk. You have so much inquiry. <laughs> and that's why I said before, like this sounds like such a great book for just, just those conversations you know, because, because yes and here's a question tony were you that way prior to writing this book do no. you know what i'm saying i do i can i've thought a lot about it actually um i was undergrad i was electrical engineering 
So, which is that's actually hard to believe. Electrical engineering and psychology ultimately being much more intrigued by the illogical, irrational human being because logical linear systems have an answer and you can figure out. Yeah. My husband (laughs) is an electrical engineer. Yes. So I always valued myself for being a good problem solver, solutioner, having the answer. And it really wasn't until I was able to shift valuing, uh, being valued for asking good questions. And, And good questions ignite energy and excitement, not just for me, but for other people. And I, uh, helps to create this connection. So what actually happened? Um, I wound up working in international development very early on and traveled to like 85 countries in 10 years and all over Africa, Asia, Latin America. And there were some countries that I would go to that people would be like, why would you ever want to go there? And let me tell you the 10 reasons or stereotypes on why you wouldn't want to go there. However, I found if I went as like a blank slate with in, in curiosity, I would have these amazing journey, meet amazing people, uh, hospitality, and, and have a totally different experience than what people would say. So I, I think I became fascinated by a- asking questions to find out what is the fundamental connection I have with this human being. Because I have the assumption that I have a connection with every human being, just like you've found you, the, among the three of you, you keep yeah. finding these amazing connections. The more questions you ask, the more serendipity or more connections you'll find. Um, so I would uh, ask, I would ask questions to have these amazing experiences uh, and develop relationships in all of these countries. And it's what got me interested in the work that I do, because every country has its own culture. Every organization I work with has its own culture. They're like their own countries. Mm -hmm. And so every individual is their own country. (laughs) We have multiple. So I subscribe to this multiple truths and realities versus a singular truth and reality. Um, So you're not going into these countries with these preconceived. Try not to. uh, Yeah. Ideas. When probably most people do. Yeah. Well, and, and what's interesting is if you carry that forward to having conversations with your family, um, it's almost like if you could do it to get your preconceived ideas about your relationship, right? Like if I go to have a conversation with my father to step back and go, let's think of him as a human and not as my father. Correct. Right? The whole person, not in that role. Right. I mean, it's what a little harder. Say, sorry, Kathy, because we're going to go back to that. What did you say, Tony, just before about you, you approach everything like you got, want to find that commonality? Is that what you said? Yeah. Something about, yeah. So that's it, Kathy, like going, like, okay, instead of like going as a human as opposed to dad. Yep. You it's know, a little and, harder, like, oh, yeah. It's a little harder to do. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, but again, it's leaving the, leaving the judgment, leaving the whatever, you know, almost leaving past hurts behind too, right? Leave the why questions out of it and you'll be, be pretty good. Yeah. Why me? It assumes judgment, you know, the, like what, what was life like? What, you know, the, where did you grow? You know, the, all the other ones, but again, it's the, the basics are open-ended, positively biased questions that invite stories. The positively biased is really important. So you can ask about past hurts. So I know that when you grew up that you had this traumatic experience, what gave you the strength and resilience to make it through? So you're not inquiring and going deeper into the hurt, pain and stuff. You're saying, what, how did you make it through that? How, How did you surround yourself? Because when you get to those situations again, you have that and not only connection, but um, insight to how to make it through those tough times. Anyways. <laughs> That's awesome. So given that, so um, thank you. That, awesome. This was fascinating. I'm so glad. I'm so glad we talked about it. And I really do hope that people listening, it will at least, you know, give them a little prompt to maybe start. Call their mother or father. Yeah, call, call, your mother. call your mother. Call your mother. 
But now we're going to do the fun part, which is I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions, a few yeah. questions. Um, and I'm so interested to know the answer to this first one, which is what was your religious or spiritual upbringing? Yeah. Uh, and that's a fully loaded question for me because, uh, <laughs> you know, I know you're in the spirit. I, I would consider myself spiritual, but not religious. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so there's actually a, yeah, there's actually a religion called spiritualism. Sweet. So I, I need to find out more. So uh, this will be my continued journey with, with faith, spirit, and religion. I'm just going to so, tell you, it's full on woo woo though. Okay. That's all right. Oh, no. That's all right. Yeah. I'll, I'll explain the, 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 the story. So growing up in Connecticut, um, it was sort of like we didn't go to church or anything like that. And we sort of were asked, do you want to celebrate Christmas or Hanukkah? So Jewish part, part Jewish, part, uh, Italian. Um, and most of our friends celebrated Christmas. So we said, celebrate Christmas. It didn't mean we went to church. Right. Mm -hmm. My memories of church was, um, my aunt Fran used to take me to church and uh, I would get, go to Dairy Queen after. So that, I remember yeah. that. Uh, and then, um, I had a, a, a a really challenging experience in college. So my freshman year of college, I was at Northeastern and living in a quad. Um, and I had a Catholic roommate that called me Jew boy. <gasps> I didn't even resonate with being Jewish. I resonated with my Italian upbringing. Oh my God. So it, it actually gave me, uh, so I went on this journey, you know, intro to religion, world's religions, trying to explore uh, because I didn't know why, why someone of a certain faith would disparage someone else of a different faith and what right. that was all about. And I, it wasn't how I was raised or, um, so then I, I you know, again, uh, these are intertwined things. So I'm like, what is, what is spirituality? What is faith? And some of the things, and how do we get these? And a lot of it came from family upbringing, communities of shared values, so I had a different uh, construct for what spirituality or faith meant to me. Um, mm -hmm. So I had these, uh, so again, that was a, it's a deep story and it's an ongoing uh, journey. I consider myself spiritual, but not religious. Or yeah. 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 Awesome. <laughs> cool. Um, what is your most favorite word? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm a possibility person, so you're not going to get one word. Possibility, curious, <laughs> fun, optimistic, positive, you know, connection. Cool. And how about your least favorite? No. <laughs> no, or rules, or status quo, <laughs> because we've always done it that way. Yeah. yeah. Not yeah. Or not possible. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. The opposite of possibilities and... Yeah. yeah. And then uh, last question, if you could have dinner with one person dead or alive, who would it be? Yeah. Well, I try to do this as much as possible in the first place, surround myself by cool and interesting people. And um, I actually had one last summer with a, a guy named Henry Mintzberg, who is like a, a luminary. He's like in his 80s he lives in Canada, is in the OD field. And I've always been fascinated by his writings and find them as relevant today as when he first wrote them 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so one day I just reached out to him, sent him an email and said, we should be friends. <laughs> oh, and, and he responded and awesome. come to find out that he was in the, uh, up in Canada. I was doing my Ironman up there and we scheduled it and I had a dinner with him. Oh, so awesome. cool. And I had, and I had some appreciative inquiry questions. So I, I don't know, as much as possible, I actually try to do that. And I'm sure there's a bunch of people that have passed that I would love to have conversations with and the ones that are living, I'm going to try to have those dinners with yeah. them. That's awesome. And ask them the questions that I'm curious about. <laughs> it's really cool that that guy didn't like block you after you just said we should be friends. <laughs> you'd be you'd be Instagram amazed all the time. <laughs> yeah, but you, I mean, uh, 
some people say, oh, that's so audacious. I'm like, no, I mean, if you truly believe that we are all human beings. And we're we're all craving connection. We're all craving connection. Yeah. He he was honored to that someone, you know, found that way about him. About that way. Honored and revered a life well lived. Who wouldn't want to be interviewed about that? Yeah. Right. I hope someone interviews me like that someday. Yeah. No kidding. That's awesome. Well, yeah. thank you so much for, yeah. for coming on and for talking to us. I really, I think it's so important. And I love that, um, you know, the universe pushed you in the direction of this book because yeah. it's, it really is so important. And just the, the way it's written with all the stories and the personal, mm. you know, it's, it's just, it's so readable and it's so, you know, you don't, you don't skip to chapter seven and go to, you know, you don't go to the end thing. You have to start, start at the beginning. Yeah. Um, Kathy, read the title again for our listeners. It's called, it's called Healing Conversations Now, Enhance Relationships with Elders and Dying Loved Ones. Awesome. But I would, I would take out the dying part and just, you can have yeah. this with anybody, you know, yeah. you Correct. And we need to, because yes. we are, like you said, we're all craving connection and it's all about that the positive inquiry so cool yeah. so, i absolutely love it tony thank you so yeah. so much Great. i'm like surprised i haven't ordered it yet because mm-hmm. i'm trying to be totally present here but as soon as i get out i'm ordering nice. it. I know. truly appreciate uh, this you. was a fun conversation yeah. thank yeah. you keep doing what you're doing Thank so you. I am going to just do our, our little thing at the end that we do. You can find us, thepsychicwives.com is our website. Our podcasts you can find on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And uh, you can find us on Facebook at The Psychic Wives. Leave us a note. If you get the book, if you have a conversation you want to talk about, uh, leave us a note there. So awesome. Thank you again, Tony. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, everybody. All right. Bye. Bye.